So happy new year. Yes. Is it a happy new year? Are we feeling happy? Thank you, Bob. We've got one. Hopefully by the end we'll be happy. Um, Bob, you're always happy. I love that about you. I love that your joy is here. And I want to say Karen last week, um, Karen preached last week. Who was here? Yeah, a few people. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karen. I was actually meant to be doing last week and Karen was meant to be this week. Um, but my family got really sick and I was not well in any way to be here. So this is my first Sunday here at church. Um, so thank you so much, Karen, for stepping in and being willing to swap last minute with me. Um, but it's my first Sunday here at church for the year. And that's why I'm excited. And I love that um, at the start of the year, everyone, there's this buzz, I find. There's this feeling of excitement. It's a new year. It's a fresh new start. And um, often people will sit down and they'll, they'll organise their resolutions and their goals for the years and they're really, yes, I'm so excited, it's going to be a great year, I'm going to get so fit. Is anyone like that? No? Okay, yes, go Ash, yes, it's the year of getting fit. But I wanted to share some stories because for me, resolutions and goals, they're just really not, they, I, it just doesn't work for me. So I don't do that anymore, and I'll explain what I do instead. But um, in the past, I, I've set resolutions, and I've gone, this year, I'm going to start the year, and these are the things that I'm going to achieve. And you know what? I'm going to do it by six months, not the whole year, because I'm good and I can do it. Anyone else like, yeah, like that? Maybe? <laughs> so when Ben and I first got married, um, it was our first Christmas together and I was really excited. So I thought, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy us some stuff because we just got married, but we're going to still be the fit couple. We're going to be the healthy couple and that's going to really matter to us in our marriage. So I went out to the shops for Christmas and I bought us some tennis equipment. I thought, tennis looks fun. I've watched it on TV. Tennis is great. How good is it? Roger Federer, you know, Serena Williams. Why did you have to retire, guys? But, you know, I love watching it. And I thought, you can watch it. It's going to be great. So I went out and I bought all of this tennis equipment. And Christmas came and we unwrapped it and we got all excited. and went, yep, we're going to be fit. This is going to be our goal for the year. New Year came and we were like, all right. It's been a couple of weeks, it stopped raining, we should probably go to Durac and get on the courts. I've never done tennis before, okay? I am not a fit, healthy sports person. It's not me. But, you know, I'm going to do it. We're going to get fit. So we put on our, our fancy new sportswear, we put on our nice shoes, our nice runners that we got, we got our nice new rackets and we go down to the courts thinking we're all amazing. And we get on the court. And I think after two minutes of trying to hit it back and forward, I went, this is really hard. I don't like tennis. I thought tennis was easy. You just whack it to the other person. No, it's really not. Um, tennis requires a lot of work. And so this exciting goal I had um, lasted for one day. We did it once, and we were probably there for maybe 20 minutes max, and I went, yeah, no. That's not for me. I had a similar situation in one year. I think it was probably the year after, actually. Ben and I again went, yeah, we're going to get fit. We're going to be focused. Let's start the year off. This is our goal. We joined up to a gym. Has anyone done this before? Join up to a gym in January, all excited. By the end of January, you've been maybe three times because you're really excited. 
February comes along, you've been maybe once. March comes and gym what? <laughs> yeah, I think I had a gym membership for a whole year and went once. So, needless to say, resolutions and goals, specifically around fitness, that's not really for me. But I learned that, you know, if you're setting a goal, it's important to have a process to get there. Have a plan to meet, meet that goal. If you want to be a tennis player, learn a little bit more about it maybe before. Watching it isn't really going to cut it. Have that plan in place. Um, so instead, I don't make goals. I sit down, I start the year um, in December and January. I like to just, in my Bible time with God, to stop and go, God, it's a new year. What's this year going to look like for me, for my family? And often God will give me a word or he'll give me a phrase or a Bible passage. Um, and for me, I focus on that. And last year, for example, um, I got the word um, intentional. So be intentional. And so last year, I really wanted to focus on, sorry, being intentional in my marriage. How could I be intentional in um, my time with God? How can I be intentional with my children? But making sure that that was a focus and that was something that I felt God was speaking to me about. So I want to challenge you. If you've set a goal, go you. I hope you've got a plan to meet that goal. Be wise, not like me. <laughs> But it's really important to, to start the year off in a positive mindset, I think. To start it off right and to be going, what can we be doing better? And that's what today we're going to be looking at in this message. I have a question for you, and this question is going to come up a couple of times. Um, and the question is, how are you positioning and preparing yourself to love others? So this year, how are you doing that? How are you positioning and preparing yourself to love others? I love that God works in awesome ways because Sue got up and she said in communion that how can we love if we don't know God's love? If we don't actually know that love, in our, that agape love that, that Sue was talking about, if we don't have an experience of that in our lives, how can we then love other people? How can we do that well? Because we can't really. God's commanded us to love people. It says that in scripture. Love God, love others. We're here to connect, to serve, to love your neighbor, and to go and make disciples. That's our job as Christians. When we say, God, I'm committed to you, this is then our job to do, is to love. But like I said, we, we can't do this if we don't know it, but we also can't do it if we're not in the right headspace if we're not focused on actually doing this well. It starts with us. It starts with us to look inside and go, what am I doing? What can I be doing better? Because we need to be in the right place. We need to be prepared to be able to act, respond, and to help. If you've got your Bibles um, with you today, I encourage you, we're going to read a passage and um, the points that I pull out are going to be from this passage. So I encourage you to open up. We're looking at Luke 10 this morning and starting from verse 25 to 37. And this is a passage that perhaps you've heard before. Um, it may be familiar if you've come to church for a while and you know it. Um, but I think it's really good to still stop and to reflect and to go back to it. So we're just going to read through this passage first. I'll see how I go without my glasses. Um, 
But yeah, follow along with me. It is up there as well. Luke 10, 27. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to Jesus, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If, this bill, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor of the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So in this passage, there are two different parts that we're looking at. And the first part is talking about the commandment to love. And in the second, we hear the story of the Good Samaritan. And like I said in that first part, we, we're called to love. It says, love your neighbor. It says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, strength, mind. We have to do that really well. It's saying all of it. So loving, we need to do that well, to love God and to love others. And in the second part where we talk about the Good Samaritan, we're going to look at, at four different parts in this because we're going to pull apart the four things that we can apply to that question that I first asked. How are you positioning and preparing yourself to love others? So if you're taking notes, I'm a, I'm a big note taker. I really believe in that. It helps me focus. It helps me follow where I am. Um, I encourage you to do that this morning if, if you're able. But our first point for today out of the four is let's look at our priorities. So to be able to position and prepare ourselves to love others, we need to look at our priorities in life. In verse 31 and 32... There it is. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by the other side. You see, both the priest and the temple assistant were there. They were, they were physically there, and they were able to act on the situation. But they didn't. I read into this a little bit. I've got a study Bible at home, which I love, and I read it and just unpacked, why didn't they stop? Why didn't they? They stopped, they were there, but they didn't help. And it suggested that the priest saw the man as a problem, and he had to avoid that. 
and that the assistants saw him as a topic of discussion. So we walked past and went, ooh, let's find out what's going on here. It was really clear, though, in that, that the priority for them was not to love. Love the man in front of them. He needed the help, but it wasn't a priority for them. This example in the story is quite a big one, but it's still really important for us to consider what this looks like for us. What are your priorities? What matters most to you? Because if we're saying one thing is a priority, if you say, hey, family is a real priority to me in my life, you know, my kids, my wife, that's really important to me, but yet, or, or vice versa, it doesn't have to be just the men, you know, if the husband is saying that's, that's it, but the wife is saying it, whoever, yet we're focused on work and then we come home and we're stressing about work. Uh, we, we're home and so we've got free time, so we're going to go to the gym, we're going to go hang out with our friends and do things. But family's a priority? Perhaps it isn't then. Because where we put our time, where we put our energy, that's where our priorities are. That, those are the things that really matter to us. I, um, this is something that I personally have struggled with in my time. Neil will tell you this. Neil and I, um, our pastor, we have a really good relationship. We've journeyed together through many things in, in ministry. And often Neil would sit me down and he'd say, Nikki, what are your priorities? Let's write a list. Let's write two lists. And he'd say, on one list, tell me what are the important things in your life. And I'd say, well, this is important. This is important. You know, this is what matters to me. And then he goes, all right, well, let's write another list. On this list, tell me where are you busy? Why are you feeling overwhelmed and stressed? And on that list, I'd write down all the things that I'm doing and where I'm spending all my time. And then we put the list together and go, okay, perhaps you're feeling overwhelmed because of this. This is what matters to you, but this isn't where you're spending your time. I encourage you to, to do this yourself. Um, it's something that I've had to do a number of times, particularly when I'm feeling overwhelmed and just not really seeing why aren't things coming together. But, but sit down and write those lists. What are my priorities? How am I spending my time? Because when we position and prepare ourselves, we're able to prioritise people. Are you available to love others? Are you positioning yourself in a place to be able to love? We, we need to be there in the room. We need to be present to be able to help. Are you prepared to love? It's easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. To, it's easy to love people. But are you actually prepared to give up your time, your energy for other people? Working out your priorities, working out our priorities, I'm talking to myself here too, and figuring out what matters most is going to help us love people better. So that's number one. Number two, how do we prepare, how do we position ourselves to love people is through prayer. Prayer is always the best place to start. If you don't know what, what's going on or what to do, just go to prayer. Sit down and have a chat with God. Whether you want to write out a prayer, whether you want to just sit and think about it, it's my favourite place to go when I'm stuck. It's my favourite place to go anytime, really, but particularly in those moments when I'm struggling, I need to stop and I need to block out things and sit and pray and be with God. If we go back to our story about the Good Samaritan, 
Verse 33 really stands out to me. It says in the verse, And a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. It's interesting to me that the priest and the temple assistant, it doesn't say how they felt. Because I imagine that they would still feel pretty, pretty bad for this person. He's beaten, he's bruised, he's broken. I imagine they would still have a feeling towards that, but they didn't do anything. But it specifically says here that the Samaritan felt compassion for him. He cared. What's your heart motive? Do we genuinely love? Like Sue said, you know, to love, we need to know it first. I find Psalm 139 really interesting, and I was reading this and had a little laugh to myself. But um, in Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I wonder, I'm guilty of this myself, but when we sit down and we have a chat with God, do we go, God, tell me all the bad things about myself. Tell me what I'm really, really bad at. How do I not bring you glory? Can't say I do that all the time when I pray. It's not really my go-to prayer. But um, it's something we need to do. You know, it says it here. Test me, search me, know my heart. God knows our heart. We need to get our heart right. We need to be in a place to be able to love. It's something that I think we need to work on. And I know there are many people in my life that I know that they do go, God, you know, let's look at the areas that I'm not good at and how can I grow in this? But it's something I think sometimes we can neglect. It's, it's a bit asking God about the bad things about me. Ooh, maybe you might tell me. Maybe I might have to work on that. Yikes. But we need to position ourselves. We need to prepare. Are you praying to get your heart right so you can be positioned to love others? Are we prepared when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, go, do we know his voice? Are we ready? When he says, act, respond, help, are we ready? Do we know that voice to be able to? We've got to know it first to be able to respond. Prayer is the best place to start. Check our heart. Make sure that we're right. So the first one was priorities. Number two was prayer. Now, third point is being present, or being intentional. In this story, it shows that all three were able to help, but only one acted. It's easy to say that if we were in that situation, we would, we would stop, of course. But are we stopping in our real-life examples, in our real-life scenarios? Are we being present? Whenever um, you know, we catch up with people or we're in the cafe area or after church, I, I love, and please today, we have morning tea after the service and we invite you to come and join us, but I love during conversations when we're asking people, how's your week been? How are you going? Often there are two responses I found, personally. 
The first is, it's been a really busy week, we've had a lot going on, and the kids have been doing all this for the sports, or, you know, work's just been really hectic, but we're busy. And the second, this is my default, I'm really tired. I'm really, really tired. Kids didn't sleep. Um, you know, Jet's going through regression. I just, I can't get to sleep. I'm exhausted. We're busy. We're tired. It seems to be the go-to. And I love that when I'm talking to people and I'm asking them how they're feeling, I'm standing there going, I feel the same. I'm busy. I'm tired. You're busy. You're tired. But we need to start looking for ways within, in those opportunities to be able to support each other. To position ourselves, to prepare ourselves. Let's actually position ourselves to stop and to listen. It's one thing to listen, uh, it's one thing to hear. It's one thing to, you're having a conversation and people are saying, this is really hard for me at the moment. This is something that I'm struggling with. And you go, oh, that's really hard. But are we listening? Are we deep down in our heart going, wow, what can I do to love? Are we taking up that opportunity? Are we prepared to sacrifice something in ourselves, in our busyness, in our tiredness, to be able to help them who are also busy and tired. I have a, a beautiful story that I wanted to share and um, it just, it really brings that together. And some friends of ours in the church um, were just going through a bit of a rough time. There was a lot of sickness in their family. Um, they just really couldn't seem to catch a break. And every week it was going, how are you going? And this family just kept saying, we're just... You know, they, they ended up laughing about things because they said, if we, if we don't laugh, we're going to cry. Things are just not going well. You know, so-and-so's sick, and now the other child's sick, and now we're sick, and we're just not getting answers, and things are just really hard at the moment. And I went up to the father, I went up, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make you dinner. I didn't even ask, I just said, I'm going to make you dinner, okay? You need dinner, you're tired, you don't want to cook, so I'm going to make you dinner. And then I apologised to the person and said, I'm really sorry, that was really rude, and I just kind of told you what I'm doing without actually asking. Um, but we brought this family dinner and we said, here, we just want to bless you. We want to love you guys in this way that we can. And the best part about this was a week later, um, I think it was about a week or maybe it was two weeks, uh, we had our second child, we had Jethro, and we were tired. We were exhausted, anyone with a new baby at home knows that. And this family came over to congratulate us and to say, well done, yay, you've got your baby, we're so excited. And they brought back our dish. And in the dish, it was filled with food because they had made us dinner. And it was so beautiful to me that two weeks ago, we were able to support them. We were able to love them in this way. And two weeks later, they were doing the same for us. Both families were going through things. Both of us were tired. We were busy. We had a lot going on. But it was so special that we were able to love each other in that moment. It's really important to be present, to listen, to go, how can we help in situations? How can we do something to love? It's going to cost. It's going to have a little bit of a sacrifice for us. But being present enables us to love better. And that's what we're called to do. Let's be intentional.
Number four, we need to partner with others. In our story, in verse 33 to 35, it talks about how the Samaritan helped. I think, have I got it up here? Perfect. It says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I really appreciate this part in the story. The Samaritan acted, he helped. He was there, he cared, he helped. He put him on the donkey, he took him to the inn, he took care of him. But then, he didn't just leave him. He didn't leave him stranded. He didn't leave him out on the road again. He got the innkeeper to help care for him too. He didn't do it on his own. He didn't leave that man on his own. I think sometimes... I know I'm guilty of this anyway, perhaps it is just only me, but sometimes I feel like I've got to do it on my own. This person needs to be loved and I have to do that on my own. I've got to love them the best way that I can love them. But I'm really tired and it's really hard, but I have to. But we really don't have to do it on our own because we're called to be in community. In Ephesians 4, um, If you haven't read Ephesians, it's a fantastic book of the Bible and it's a shorter one. But Ephesians 4 is really cool because it talks about unity in the body. And it also talks about different gifts that God has given us. We each have a part to play in the body. And when each of those parts do their job, it works well, it functions. It's how God intended it to be. You know, you think about it, if your foot isn't attached, it's not going to... It's just a foot. We need it to help us to walk, to function, to do the things that we need to. It has a place, it has a role in the body. Are we positioning ourselves around other people who can encourage us to love and to use our gifts better? I encourage you, let this year be a year for you to connect And here at Cornerstone, we have connect groups. I can't speak highly enough of them. They are just amazing. Um, My husband and I have been coming here for, I think, nine years now. And when we first started going to a connect group, it, it was different because our previous church didn't have a connect group. So it was a new thing for us. But from that connect group, we were able to grow in relationship with one another. We were able to be challenged. Um, I remember multiple times going away and feeling conflicted in things about myself. I felt challenged and going, what do I need to be doing better? How can I, you know, just by spending time with people, by reading the word, there was challenge. Join a connect group. If you feel isolated, if you feel like this journey of being a Christian is overwhelming and we've all been there, it is overwhelming, it's hard. It's hard when we're doing it on our own, though. Get in a connect group. Get around people. They're going to help you be a better person. They're going to help you love better. Are we 
prepared to grow? Are we prepared to have people give us some feedback that's maybe a little bit hard at times? We have to be in relationship with people to be ready to receive that feedback. I know from my personal um, experience in life where people have given me feedback and it's really hurt and I've gone, oh, why did that hurt? Perhaps there's truth in that, but that really hurt. Because I didn't have a relationship with them. And being able to have a relationship with people and when they say things and give me advice and go, you know, Nikki, maybe this is something you could work on. Maybe this is something you could think about. When I've gone away and I've thought about that, I've talked to God about it and go, God, is this something? Show me, test me, search me, God. It's made me be able to grow. It's made me be able to love better. Are you willing to allow input from others? Are you willing to build relationship with others? Partnering with others allows us to grow in our love and our understanding of love but it also allows us to love together, to do it together, to support one another. We pull up that question again that I started off with. How are you positioning and preparing yourself to love others this year? Let's look at our priorities. What matters? Let's look at prayer and that heart motive. Is our heart in the right place to be able to Are we being present? Are we actually in the room? Are we there ready? Are we knowing how to respond? Are we listening? Are we taking it in? Are we being intentional to know the needs around us? And are we partnering with other people? Are we being a part of the body? Are we playing our part? Are we supporting one another? Are we journeying together? These are all really important things. It's, it's what God has called us to do, to love. And we need to do it well. It is a short message today. It's a, it's a simple message today. But it's a really important message. And we'll get the music team up um, to finish off with a song. But I hope today is, has challenged you. I hope today is, has got you thinking a little bit has encouraged you. When we start off this year, let's do it right. Let's be in a place to love. Let's be in a place to love well because I don't know about you, but being a part of this church is awesome. It's such an incredible privilege to be a part of this church. And I want to do it well. I want to love our community the best that we can do. That's important. That's important to me. That's important to the people here at Cornerstone. And perhaps this morning, this is your first time that you've heard this message. This is perhaps the first time you've heard about God. And I want to give you that opportunity as well. If you're going, hey, you're talking about this relationship, about knowing the Holy Spirit, about listening, about being present, about prayer. I don't know that. I don't know that journey. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Because it's the most powerful and most important prayer that you will ever do in your life is to say, God, I want to know you. I want to live a life for you. So if that's you this morning, um, 
yeah, I w- I'd love to pray with you. Here at Cornerstone, we often open up the, the front, um, and it's just an opportunity that if there's anything on your heart, anything that's going on that um, you would like prayer for, we, we'd love to pray with you as a family. It's not anything special about the person praying. It's just joining together. It's about partnering to go, hey, let's commit this in prayer before God. So if you would like any prayer, the front is open. There are a number of different people that would love to pray for you this morning as well. But be challenged. How are you going to love? How are you going to position yourself and prepare yourself to love others this year? Be blessed.